You're listening to the Hardware X podcast. Welcome. In this podcast, we bring to you the backstory of the open source hardware presented in the journal and the course of these projects after the appear in Hardware X. We also talk to open hardware pioneers and researchers to figure out what motivated them to perform their research in the open science way. My name is Sandy Fias, and I'm recording this show from my home office in the Netherlands. It is spring again in the northern hemisphere, and trees are dressed by new green leaves that fresh light green that is special to this season. If you walk in the woods, you can quickly see that not all greens are the same. For plant biologists, the leaves color can actually tell the story of their plant. And one device that can register this color quantitatively is called the spectrophotometer. Our guest today is Katrina Lagonowska, who is working on her PhD dissertation at the University of Latvia in Riga. She is also the first author of the Hardware X article, Portable Low-Cost Open-Source Wireless Spectrophotometer for Fast and Reliable Measurements. Their device, unlike most commercial portable devices that work in reflection mode, is designed for measuring absorption spectrum through samples, and therefore can be used to quantify the amount of certain substances in the sample. I asked Katrina to tell us her background and the path that brought her to building this open-source device. Well, during my studies, I've been uh, exploring uh, several topics. I did a bachelor's in physics and then switched to electronics for my master's degree and then switched back to physics for my PhD uh, as I started working at the Institute of Solid State Physics and have continued working there ever since. So, yes, if we talk about the scope of this paper, then it's uh, pretty visible that it's uh, 50-50 physics and uh, electronics that has allowed me to uh, do this paper. So is this the main topic of your research or was an instrument that you needed for your research? It's a derivation of an instrument we needed for research. We uh, still have current ongoing projects about portable spectrometers, which we use in agriculture to record the spectra of plants and analyze the spectra, possibly... Uh, if we complete the project and uh, develop the device uh, to its completion, then it will be a great help in uh, microdosing nutrients for plants because we use the spectrometer to read the spectra. And uh, if the plants are healthy, then they absorb more green light and reflect infrared light. And uh, yeah, so it's a really quick way to check the health of plants and see if they need any extra nutrients. And if they don't, then you can limit the use. And why we chose to do a photo spectrometer for this publication is that it's a little bit more complicated. Like, yeah, the design is a bit more complex, but it allows you basically to reduce it to a simple spectrometer too with the minimal tinkering. So it's sort of like a two-in-one you can have a spectral photometer and if you want you can have a spectrometer as well 
but I didn't get the, the separation. So what do you mean that's a simple spectrometer as opposition to a photospectrometer? When we have a spectrometer, we still read what at least we do in this device. I'm pretty sure we do it in uh, most spectrometers, most basic spectrometers. Uh, spectrometer reads, takes a spectrum of the background noise. Uh, for instance, in uh, this device, uh, the background noise is, uh, is the LED light. Yeah, so you can take that as reference. And then you put your sample in and you take a record another spectrum. You get the absorption by uh, looking at the difference between the background spectrum and, and the spectrum with your sample in. So basically, it is still recording the same spectrum a spectrometer would use, except it's uh, like the difference is that here it records two spectra, one before and one after you put the sample in. Yeah, like the light source is included inside the spectrometer, so you do not just measure the reflection from the sunlight or some other random source that are uh, available, but it is a calibrated way of measuring the transmission spectrum or absorption spectrum of certain sample that you have. Yes, the light sources are adjustable, like you can choose between uh, an LED that costs five cents and the spectrum of which is not that great, but it's it's still fine for uh, for simple measurements because it has more peaks and valleys and so there is more noise at the end or you can choose basically whichever led you want white led and yeah there's some a bit more advanced leds that have a more continuous spectrum without the peaks and valleys which i have also i think described in my paper or people have emailed me to ask which led sources would be the best so can you tell me which part of this plant actually you look at? Is it a sort of a living plant or is it the leaf of the plant? Or do you take a sample from the plant and then put it in the spectrometer of Bell? For the spectrophotometer, I was just mentioning the spectrometer as a device that we, it basically has the same software and everything, and we use it for agriculture. The spectrophotometer we wanted to use for testing food we tried measuring the absorption of, uh, for example, infected beer or uh, other food samples. In the end, for a more easily understandable result, we ended up with the uh, vitamin B12 measurements and uh, also uh, some biology applications. However, we, yeah, we didn't proceed to develop the final commercial device. Okay. Maybe we can go a little bit broader because you have shared this device that you have made, which is a, I should be careful, spectrophotometer. And it measures the spectral optical properties of a transparent sample in liquid. Something that you dissolve in liquid and then it can measure the properties of that sample, the transmission, uh, optical transmission through that sample. Apart from your project, what would be the general use of such a portable spectrometer or portable photospectrometer, you would say? Well, from my experience during the making of this publication, I'd say that at least that's where I saw the most uh, wide possibilities is probably biology and chemistry, where you can uh, either chemistry where you don't have to rely on your eye functions to determine the color correctly and you can do color determination uh, very precisely, or biology, where you get uh, also color-based reactions uh, between biological samples and the active ingredients of your choosing. But from the feedback I've gotten, 
which was one of the reasons why we included both the computer interface via Python programming and mobile interface is that people use it a lot for education. I've received at least four emails that people want to build this for their students and use it in schools. I don't know, if I were a student, I would probably think it's a lot of fun that you can uh, just put something in and get the result on your smartphone. And more specifically, why would people need that to be portable? I mean, for the classroom, I understand it needs to be small, but why generally to have a portable spectrometer? I think, and yours even works with a battery. So what's the general need for having this on the field? Well, probably it would be biology, where you do feel the experiments the most. I'm not sure if I recall now, but when we consulted with the biologist, they mentioned that, yeah, it's uh, definitely good for water testing. I'm just not an expert on the sort of tests uh, that you can perform, like, but I'm sure there's a wide range in the visible spectrum that you can use absorption to test the presence of uh, some ingredients that are welcome or are not welcome in the waters. Yeah, like pollutants. And did you know that actually your paper was the most downloaded paper in Hardware X for the past three years? Uh, no, no, I did not. Well, congratulations on that. <laughs> Yeah, so there are apparently a lot of uh, people interested in that, uh, so that already tells. Uh, why did you decide to make an open source software instead of perhaps buying a commercial one? Was it an economic uh, reason or was it a special need that you have for this device? Well, I'd say it was uh, both an inspiration that came by from following uh, the developments of Hamamatsu spectrometers, and it was very recent technological innovation that they released these uh, tiny uh, spectrometers that have, I'd say, high quality parameters for their size. And it was also a very easy spectrometer to work with since it's uh, pretty much plug and play. And uh, yeah, so part of it was the Hamamatsu innovations and uh, releasing this uh, small spectrometer. And the other part was need to study, yeah, as I said, uh, we wanted to create a spectrophotometer for food applications. So the main idea was that we could build uh, small spectrometers that are relatively low cost. I've seen many spectrometers that are way more low cost, but they are also pretty terrible quality. Yeah, so you basically got a relatively low cost, but accurate enough for your purpose uh, device that... Uh... You can use it, and it's pretty uh, interesting, and apparently many people also appreciate it, and they want to use it. Are there any alternatives for the chip from Hamamatsu that you have used for this purpose, or you haven't seen any option? I haven't seen any alternative except for Hamamatsu. I think it was just the C12666 chip, which was a different wavelength range. Yeah, just uh, just Hamamatsu. I haven't seen anything uh, comparing to that. Interesting. And what did lessons especially did you take from engaging in this open hardware project in terms of design, the process, and the outcome? I'd say the most difficult part is making it available for a wide uh, variety of users because if you use it, use it just for your own purposes, then it takes like a third of the time to create the device because you know the bugs and you can walk around them, just go into the code. But when you have to make a device that is meant for public use, it's uh, 
a lot more time intense than I kind of expected. And it also never stops. Like you probably know that if you, you're creating any software, it takes endless amounts of work. You, can, you never stop. So you just fix one thing, add another thing, add another feature. And so it's uh, also difficult to find the balance between the time put in and uh, the user interface and uh, user experience. But I hope that since the source code and everything is provided with comments that I, and I also, you can write an email to me and I'll try to help. Uh, I hope that it's satisfying to, <laughs> to our users. Did the process of publishing it as an article help in sort of giving it a frame and uh, making it more concrete for you? Definitely. Yes, as I mentioned before, well, the user interface wasn't really a plan. It was just a Python code. So mostly the knowledge that I gained from creating this uh, spectrometer with a user interface just for mainly the need for other users to be able to use it. I've learned a lot and I'm applying this gained knowledge to basically every project we've been working on ever since, which I probably would have been too lazy to do if not for this publication. Interesting. And did you also receive any contributions, like somebody sent you a pull request or some, you know, fixing a small feature based on reproductions they had? No, I haven't received any upgrades. I think someone messaged me about a small bug and that was the most. But a lot of people are messaging me and it's interesting to see that it's really the users uh, who are interested in this device are mostly beginners into electronics or programming. And uh, they apparently find that it's a worthy project to dive into. And uh, most of the emails I receive are asking for my help or uh, suggestions for various light sources or um, having programming issues or, yeah, just for general tips. Can you estimate how many people have uh, reproduced your device based on these interactions or downloads? I'm not sure about the downloads, but based on interactions, I'd say at least 10 people. At least no one has emailed me that they have given up on the project and that it's not worth their time. Because I think it, a lot of this is thanks to Hamamatsu, which, because they made the spectrometer chip very easy to use. It's uh, as straightforward as possible. It, pretty much plug and play. So once you get the first uh, spectrum out of it or first data out of it, you can just build up on that and create with the help of my article, you can uh, build yourself a device. Yeah, fantastic. That's really good. And you also have several authors from other disciplines on your article. Was that because of the idea contribution or was it also involved in the production of this system itself? Well, it was uh, from our institute and our laboratory. There were three main people that we were working on on this project. I did the electronics. A colleague of mine did the 3D printing and case and design. And uh, our supervisor at the time uh, came up with the idea and also with suggestions. And uh, yeah, he was uh, a lot of help in completing the project from the physics point of view. And the people I worked with uh, from other institutes were mainly involved in testing the device, which was of great help since, uh, yes, I went to 
Ireland where we did the vitamin B12 tests and uh, yes, they were all very patient and very helpful. And we also worked with the Biology Institute and uh, they were also very helpful. And uh, yes, that's how we made the device. Very interesting. And so regarding the making the project open source, is everybody on the same page or did it take some convincing for other people that you want to make this project open source and based on open hardware? I'd say everyone was very excited about making it open source. I'm not sure about the situation in other institutes or laboratories, but everyone we work with is uh, very pro-open source. And also, I didn't see any reason for us not to make it open source. There was, wasn't even a discussion. It was just, if we can make it open source, we want to make it open source. That's very interesting to hear. Thank you. I have one question, though, about extension of this design. Do you think that you will actually apply to other modes, like, I don't know, scattering measurements or other modes of spectroscopy, or you would like to keep it geared towards your application? Will there be a version 2 of the spectrometer? Hmm. It's actually, we haven't given it a lot of thought since we started working on other projects and I'm working on my PhD, but... In our laboratory, we basically use it as a spectrometer. It's just so useful in our laboratory. It's, uh, we use it in uh, measuring mechanal luminescence, where it's difficult to put the whole apparatus up onto a spectrometer. Like you probably need a fiber cable, which is, you know. And so it's easy if you have a spectrometer that you just can put anywhere and it's uh, super small and you get the whole spectrum with a reliable accuracy. So we use it in mechanoluminescence. We have considered making a thermal stimulated luminescence device as a standalone, basically something similar to this spectrophotometer device that would be also probably based on an Arduino and uh, would have a heating system and everything. So it would be uh, its own standalone yeah, thermostimulated luminescence uh, device. But yeah, we haven't really done those projects since uh, the thermostimulated luminescence is probably something a bit more specific that isn't really applicable in classrooms or it's not, not that exciting to show to students. Yeah, so, but it's customizable, definitely. Once you have the design in your hand, uh, you can customize it to your need, to your geometry, or to the experimental environments that uh, different projects demand. You mentioned briefly about the feedback you got in the process of publishing and then sort of encouraged you to create an interface. How was generally your experience with the process of publishing and interaction with the reviews of this article? Yes, well, uh, the interface was created before we submitted and as far as I can tell, it was an easy process. I don't remember the comments from reviewers, but they were all very helpful. And uh, uh, we upgraded the paper and it was basically very, very little trouble. And uh, everyone was nice to me. And <laughs> yes, it, it was a quick and easy publication, I'd say. I mean, of course, we've done the work before, like everything really was there. And we've done the calibration and testing and uh, the user interface and everything. The experience was positive with the publishing. Is there a recommendation you have for people who are having maybe a small side projects or projects, main projects, but uh, they want to make it open source or take the open hardware principle and maybe perhaps publish it? 
what would be your recommendation to those people? Not exactly a recommendation. I just want to warn them on the amount of time it takes. Uh, because as I said before, you have to do the user interface and uh, a lot of troubleshooting. But uh, the other side is that you have to test it very thoroughly in various settings. And that also takes a lot of time. And uh, the positive side is that it probably motivates you to reach out to other institutes and colleagues and uh, scientists. But it takes a lot of extra time that we wouldn't have done. Yeah, if you want to publish it and prove that it has a, a level of accuracy that you promise. It's a lot of extra work. So developing such a hardware definitely is very useful for the community. You mentioned correctly that it's also extra work, a lot of extra work for the person that engages in uh, developing it, in your case, because uh, you have to verify and evaluate. How could have been more rewarding for you for the time that you have spent? Yes, I guess uh, if uh, I have to put my recommendation in a more positive way, it already is, uh, the, the whole process that is in motion is already very rewarding. Yes, you have to put in a lot of extra time, but I started receiving emails, I think, within the first month after publication and people, just a lot of people were very interested. And it's exciting to see that people use it for education or for their own projects or for their studies. It's uh, very rewarding, the communication that goes on. I'm uh, still only trying to finish my PhD, so I actually haven't received many emails uh, about my other publications. So here the email count, and they just keep coming. It's been two years, I guess, and uh, I still receive a couple of emails every few months. So would this be something that you would recommend to another PhD student who is at the start of her project or his project and similar situations to yours to make it open source? Yes, uh, definitely. I think especially for a PhD student or an undergrad student, the experience you gain is very uh, useful in, in the future. And the communication with the, the feedback that is going on is, is also very helpful and uh, Yes, it, it's a good overall project of, it's like, it's a very complete project. You do the physics, you do the electronics, you do the testing. And it's uh, like, you learn a lot of the basics of what a device needs to be for it to count as a valid device. And uh, I think that's for students, especially, it's a, a very useful goal to publish this open source device. Yeah, I fully agree and I, I think the community appreciates uh, your efforts. Thank you very much for this interview. Thank you. That was Katrina Paganowska from University of Latvia. You can find the link to her article in the show notes. With a couple of hundred bucks, you can also build one and use in the classroom or in the field. And with that, we come to the end of this episode. We love to hear your open hardware stories. If you know of a cool project that you want to share with us or have any suggestions for the show, please contact us. The best way to reach me is on Twitter at Sunly or by dropping me an email. Just Google it. You can find all the episodes of this podcast on the HardwareX website that is hardware-x.com. 
please subscribe to the Feed in Your Podcast app to get our new episodes as soon as they are out. The Hardware X Podcast is produced by Santosh Pandey from Iowa State University and hosted by me, Sandy Files. Our theme music is made by Alexander Zawatska.